Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Fierbacher from Universal Imports. Visit us at universalimports.com for all your car sales and service needs. We are a family-owned import car business here in Rochester, New York for over 35 years. And now we are the home of the Grease and Glamour podcast. And you can visit us at greaseandglamourpodcast.com, which we are now, guys, officially on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and soon to be on every other platform where you could probably find a podcast. Nice. Nice. Good to know. Not bad. Um, Please subscribe to our podcast. We are trying to build our listenership, and I am proud to say on the beginning of our fourth podcast here, we have officially now hit 100 downloads, which is not a bad start. So... The first hundred are the hardest to get. So hopefully from here, all you hundred downloads out there, please tell your friends, um, share this fun podcast with them, and we might even find some fun ways to seek you out and reward you with some interesting prizes or shout-outs on our podcast. Like how about a chance to come and be on the show? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a... It's probably not a, a good reward. idea. <laughs> but win a, a chance reward. to be on the Grease and Glamour podcast. Um, so this is a non-monetized podcast. This podcast uh, was um, invented, if you will, for us to further the brand of Universal Imports. So I am going to do the shameless plug here before we really get going and talk about Universal Imports and what Universal Imports is all about. Uh, many of you already know, but this is a company that started 35 years ago by my mother and father. Uh, my father had a vision to start an independent import car repair shop, which was not something that was done in any great uh, length uh, at the time in the early 80s. And um, we are a flat rate shop. We are not a uh, we are a straight time shop. Excuse me, not a flat rate shop, which is important to know because this allows us to make sure that the quality on customers' cars is really top-notch. We also sell cars. We sell pre-owned vehicles, mainly imports, but we really will sell anything. We can we can become a specialist in any type of car, right, Aaron? Within yes, anything you're looking for, we can find. We can. <laughs> so, um, so we want to be your place if you're looking for a car, if you need service on your car, if you need body work on your car. We have a uh, a full service body shop uh, right here in Rochester as well. And um, yeah, that's pretty much Universal Imports. So visit us at universalimports.com. We are at 834 Linden Avenue in Rochester, New York. You can email me, Mark at Universal Imports, or uh, you can reach me, Aaron Kane at ekane at universalimports.com. Yep. Uh, uh, for any questions you might have, pertaining to car service, car sales. Heck, even if you just have any kind of question about your car and you just want some advice, you know, we'll do our best to give you good advice. And if we can't give good advice, we'll research it until we can give you good advice, right? Yes. <laughs> um, well, I'm really happy to say that today we have a fourth member joining us here on the podcast. We have a guest um, here with us, and that guest is... John Callahan from Midtown Tire. John uh, has been with Midtown Tire for over 30 years. They are a multi-line tire distributor here in Rochester, New York. They have been our tire distributor for a long time. And John is an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to tires. And what better thing to talk about on a 
cool rainy day at the end of October than talk about tires, snow tires, or we'll get into why we should not be calling them snow tires anymore. I'll leave that for John's content, but um, let's talk about some tires and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yesterday we got together and we chatted and... Uh... In like five minutes, I learned more about tires than I've known my entire life from John. So I'm yes, really excited he's here with us. <laughs> good. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the introduction and thanks for having me. It's good to be here at Universal Imports this afternoon. So um, the big question uh, that I get every single day starting at the end of September is, do I need snow tires? And Let's the stop right there, Mark. Yeah, okay, well, go for Let's it, Let's correct that language and say winter tires. Winter There's so tires. many things that we come across driving in winter conditions that it's not just snow that we're worried about. It's slight ice, slush, and other driving conditions that'll pop up unexpectedly in the winter. And therefore, they're no longer known as snow tires. It's better to think of them as winter tires because of the compounding in the rubber and uh, high performance sizes that are now out. The market has changed greatly over the last 10 years. Yeah, so I've been getting trained by John over the last couple of years to stop saying snow tires and start saying winter tires because that's really what it is. I mean, if you think about it, how how often are we really um, uh, in driving snow. in snow? Yeah, right. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so here's a question, Jay. Yeah. You have yeah. snow tires on your car? Winter tires on your car? <laughs> <laughs> the answer would be no. No, okay. there are not. Okay, good. This podcast, we're going to beat up Jay, and if we do nothing else, we're going to sell him a set of winter tires. What do you say, John? All right, let's go sales team. Listen, I just had to buy a battery for my fob, so let's not continue. I'm going to hold off a little. At least your car will start before it gets stuck in the snow. No, it will. That's true. So so I had a customer in here just the other day and has fairly new all-season tires on it. And the first thing uh, that, you know, you want to educate people on, which I was educated on, you know, a number of years ago, was there really isn't a such thing as an all-season tire. Is there, John? Unfortunately, that's true, Mark. The, the connotation all-season has been so watered down over the last several years that it's really just a, a watered-down term that means nothing. Consumers now think all-season tires are safe in the winter, when really they're probably no better than a performance tire. Right. Hmm. So, yeah, so it's really a three-season tire, if it's anything, if you're going to label it. Uh, and so you get a brand-new three-season tire on your car, and then you think, oh, I'm all set for the winter because I have something that has really good tread on it. And it may be so that it's better than if you had, you know, bald tires or half-worn tires. But you still do not have a tread pattern that uh, really speaks to slush, ice, and snow getting packed into those grooves. And also, I think maybe even the bigger thing is the the rubber, right? The compound of the rubber is That's very right, different. That's right, Mark, yes. So... It seems that over the last several years, car manufacturers have put a lot more fancy tire and wheel packages together for cars. And because the cars are sold in such a wide range of uh, climates that um, the northern climate probably is the least um, the least protected for safety Uh, most tires are good in the rest of the country but they're not going to do well in new york canada and uh, therefore winter tires are where the uh, next traction and safety point would be yeah so why do you think it is that the and i listen i'm in the group too i'm not really sure um 
the people aren't getting these tires put on their car? Is it because do, do they think it's just a marketing ploy that hey, listen, we want to try to sell you, you know, tires for every season or something? Like, I mean, is is that is that what's coming uh, about, or is it just that the rest of the country doesn't really care so much because? They don't have worries like we have. Well, I think it's uh, what I see with my customers, and and you know, I mean, I'm at I'm at fault too sometimes in the in the sales of things because now there are so so many great all wheel drive vehicles out there that you almost feel like, well, I've got this vehicle that is so good in the snow just as it is. I mean, we used to tell people, and to an extent, it's not. I mean, it's not wrong, but. You know, uh, an Audi all-wheel drive, Audi being the, the pioneer of all-wheel drive, you know, back in the 70s. Sure. Um, we're so good that so you put ball tires on a thing, and it's still going to probably get out of your driveway in two or three feet of snow. And it's probably right. But that's not where you really want winter tires. <laughs> you want winter tires when you have to stop. Yeah. Uh, and there's someone, <laughs> there's someone... 20 30 feet in front you know in front of you and you want to and you want to hopefully stop in a straight line let me speak to that right there mark you know nokian the brand of tires nokian that's made in finland did a lot of research on wintertime accidents and what caused them what failures there were and what could change and they found that most accidents were caused by a loss of lateral grip so it would be a, const- a construction zone coming up and you have to get over and the car slides in between lanes or everybody's slowing down on the expressway looking to change lanes and the car spins sideways uh, a lot of cars in ditches and they found that problems getting up your driveway aren't the issues of the winter it's controlling your car at highway speeds and that's where a lot of tires have changed in winter categories to protect against hydroplaning or slush planing they call it in the winter and that's their latest and greatest claim to fame in the nokian brand is being able to stop the car and control it from pitching side to side not worrying so much about getting up your driveway, but drive speed, stopping on time. Their stopping distance, I think their last time I looked, was uh, 38% shorter than their competition with winter tires. Wow. So if you think about that, 38% the difference between life and death in some cases, and certainly difference between making uh, uh, avoiding an accident and being involved in one. Yeah, back to your question, Jay, though, is I think that it's obviously a combination of costs. I mean, that the problem with uh so the problem with a really great snow tire like nokian or some of the stuff that uh toyo has come out toyo has come out with some like kind of hybrid tires that that's an another fairly new thing that only a couple car companies and nokian and toyo being the two that i can only think of that's correct um that have like a hybrid it's a tire that you could run all year but has a snow rating uh, and has a winter rating. So I got to get that word snow out of my head. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's an expense. And some of these tires can be $250 a piece, uh, depending on sizes and stuff like that. So how many seasons, though, do they will they last? You think about it. So if it's 250 bucks a pop, okay, I'm at 1000 bucks. But how many? Well, actually, I'm glad you asked that because it's a lead-in for a question I have for John. Sure. Uh, that I was actually going to ask you off the air sometime because John and I always have very interesting conversations, and oh, not yeah. all of them about tires. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Bridgestone Blizzak, which was a tire that, you know, 
probably most people who don't know much about tires or winter tires have, at have least heard of that. They've heard of the name yep. Bridgestone yep. Blizzax, and that has become, in a lot of people's minds, somewhat of the gold standard for snow tires. And what surprised a me, perceived gold standard, perceived gold standard, because what surprised me is Nokian to to me was always. I mean, that was going back to Volvo's. You know, Volvo used to sell Haka Polita's, which is the Nokian snow tire, Correct. winter tire, yeah. um, which at some point they probably did call snow tire until they, they may have back then. changed their marketing correct. and tried to get people to understand that it's not snow that we're really worried about. It's ice, slush, and everything else in the between. To- the total package of winter conditions. Sure. Right. So, But the Bridgestone Blizzak, what I had found, and this is not dissing the Bl- Blizzak. I think it's a, still a very, very good tire. Um, but... It had such a soft – this is my understanding, and this is where I want John to clarify for me because I, I could be wrong in my thinking. It had such a soft it rubber – It wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you want? Hey, you want me to go into my brief history of something? <laughs> no. <we're not> <laughs> no, that, I think so that was episode one. It, it had such a soft rubber compound that for that first season, it was an animal. That thing was like a, a, a gecko on the road. It would just stick to the road because the rubber was so soft. But it didn't take long for that first soft layer of rubber to wear off. And by season two, it wasn't such a great tire anymore. But if you think about the marketing of it all, um, what are people are going to gauge a brand new snow tire that they just laid down whatever 800 bucks on on that first season? They're going to go, man, these things are great. By the second season, they ha- they're not paying for them again, and it's not as much in their head. So I think that the true best winter tire is one that can be really great in the snow and winter conditions, but also have some longevity to them. And I didn't think that the Blizzaks were as long-lasting as some of these other tire brand snow tires. Your initial perception is correct. Uh, Blizzaks' initial few offerings were slated to become all-season tires at 55% of wear. So if you think about the value of your consumer, it's not quite as good as it really could be with a full tire that you might project 90% of its life that it would be a good winter tire. So Blizzak has kind of updated their product in the last few generations, but still it's not quite as much a pure snow tire slash winter tire as other brands. And so their main claim to fame was stopping on ice and being able to pull water off the surface that the tire bites into the dry ice underneath And that is its claim to fame, but it doesn't do as well with pure winter uh, conditions like three or four inches of snow at drive time. It doesn't necessarily give up then. It'll be better than all season, but it's not as good as maybe the Toyo Celsius, the Toyo Observe, the Nokian Nordmans, which are pure winter tires, which have a a softer rubber compound, but don't turn to all season after 50% of wear. So uh, that's... I would say not to say that the Bridgestone Blizzak shouldn't be in your line of consideration if you're going for a winter tire. It yeah, should it sounds be. like it's better to have something, something. than well, absolutely I think, nothing Good at all. point. Uh, good point. I, I think a, a Blizzak is a great tire. It just may be a, a great tire for certain types of conditions and not for others. And it also may be a great tire for a shorter period of time than another tire that may be potentially a little less great but for a longer period of time so that's I mean, correct there, there's probably some better values out there and certainly bridgestone's advertising campaigns very big on blizz x and that's why you knew about them everybody knows about them and 
there's a little cost of doing business there with that advertising campaign. And Nokia being a smaller company, Toyo being a smaller company, I think the value is a little better in those lines. Well, it's like Jay and Aaron and I were talking a couple weeks ago about you know VHS versus Betamax, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Betamax was clearly the better, clearly uh, the better, format. you know, platform. But not as accepted in but the market. But Sony yeah. was the was better at marketing and knew how to get to the people. Yeah. Um, marketing is key. Yeah, it's kind of like our current political situation. Oh, <laughs> let's not get into that. <laughs> Jeez, that'd have to be another whole four-hour yeah, episode. Oh boy, yeah. uh, I didn't say we're going to talk about it. I just yeah. Mean, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, marketing, right? It's all—it's marketing is key, and that's why we're here doing this podcast because we want to—we want people to know that uh, at Grease and Glamour, at Universal Imports, we really don't walk into this building each day just thinking we're a car repair shop or a car sales center. We eat breathe sleep live this business so it feels like a car culture here yeah and and we want to and right we want we want to project that however what's what i love about uh the people that we have here in this company is that when you come in you don't need to be a car expert to be a customer here you you will know that that's no you don't i can tell you that right (laughs) you you will know that that's what what we're into and that's our passion but you'll also very clearly see that our passion is to uh, interact with the customer and, and get the customer I mean, you know, to know. For, for me, being a customer here long before, th- listen, this is all about, you know, service and, and just taking care of me and helping me get my problem solved. I and mean, trusting like, the people you're dealing absolutely. with. Absolutely. Yeah. And we want you to make you, you know, make you feel comfortable being here and, right. you know. Okay, that's shameless plug number two. Back to the podcast. <laughs> I just let's I touch just on a few things about tires that we we were going to talk about earlier, and and you know the change in manufacturers and what they put on cars. A lot of it's revolved around low rolling resistance, and all the manufacturers are striving to get their cars to higher mileage to make up for their large SUVs and trucks that don't get good gas mileage because there's something called certified average fuel efficiency. They're CAFE regulations where every manufacturer in the United States has to achieve a certain level of fuel efficiency within their brand. And those numbers are going up. By 2022, there's new numbers. By 2030, there's new numbers. So all the tire companies are working to lower the weight of their tire to, to change the amount of rolling mass. They're looking for their tires to have a little less grip so that it has less friction and resistance and those things are the things that we need for all season capabilities so while the car manufacturers are heading in one direction the tire manufacturers are heading in another uh, eventually it's going to get to the point where consumers aren't going to be able to drive in the winter as easily as they did with their car 10 years ago and certainly 20 years ago and i think that's one of the big things that's starting to happen and take into that also Leasing seems to be such a big thing with new cars now that people that lease cars seem to want low cost of ownership initially, and they don't really care about all of the safety features and longevity and tread life and so on and so forth. And it's kind of shifting tire manufacturers' list of things they'll look to achieve with their new rounds of tires. Yeah, actually, that that is uh, absolutely correct. That's exactly how the majority of people think. And uh, when when I talk to people about buying pre-owned versus leasing or new, or uh, one of the things that I try to throw in there is, okay, this is kind. You know, when you buy a car, you're buying not just the car, but you're buying what you what your life is going to be like for the next X years with this vehicle. 
So let's talk about things like tires. Like, uh, should you put winter tires? I might sell a car in May, but we're going to talk about winter tires now so that we know that when we get to end of September, you know, we have a plan. Yeah, you know, you know, to me, Mark, too, and I'll tell you, I think it's it's a lot like the flu shot. I think we all realize somewhere's in the back of our head we should really get it. I still mm-hmm. have to get mine. Yeah, and <laughs> but I, I think it's the same thing. Like, ah, uh, I didn't really get the flu for the past two years. Uh, I really didn't get an accident for the past three of mine. Exactly. I think I'm That's good. A good point. Yeah. That's kind of what it makes me feel like is I'm sitting here going, yeah, I really need that. Well, sometimes I actually, when I look at buying cars, as, as exciting as it is, to see a 19 or a 20 inch wheel on a on a vehicle and man does it it really makes the car pop Mm -hmm. it really and they make some of these wheels on some of these cars look so so great absolutely however you almost seal the deal in needing winter tires if you're going to something that's 19 or 20s because it's not just that you have this sort of you have less of a sidewall with every inch bigger wheel you get you also have a different type of tread pattern because when you get, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but when you get to a 20-inch wheel. They get wider and it's more of a performance-style tread design. Chances which are you're not going to get a three, yeah, you're not going to get a three-season tread pattern That's right. on a 20-inch wheel. And in some cases, you won't even get that on a 19 anymore. That's correct. Um, a lot of those cars are finding the downsizing tire wheel packages is the best way to go if that's available for their car. A lot of them you can put 17s or 18s on there. Yep. Adds a little bit expense up front, but you have no more dismount and mount every year, and uh, they can save the wheels and keep them nice for uh, the summer. There's a lot of advantages to tire wheel packages. Yeah, so the last car I the last car I bought, uh, I actually went with the the base wheel size for well, that reason, package. you know, sure. so that I could so I could uh, save a little money when I'm buying tires. I can save a little money when I'm buying the winter tires. Um, yeah, I don't even know what size my tires are. I'm just throwing. You have twenty two. We'll have to go on take a look, Jay. <laughs> you have twenty two. They're, they're expensive. Just save up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, you know, let's let's come off of winter tires for a minute. Let's because. Uh, there's so you know who said this isn't a technical podcast i did and we're throwing out all this great information oh, great with information john you know but I, w- I will say this like i said we were talking to john i mean there's just some interesting stuff about tires that we didn't even talk about like for me i didn't even realize rubber is white yeah we were talking about this and i didn't know it either i mean like and i'm, I'm thinking our tree is white yeah and it's only grown in a few areas of the world because of the conditions it takes for rubber trees when is White Walls going to come back? Because <laughs> I was the last, I swear I was the last guy with White Walls on my BMW out, huh? 3 Series. <laughs> I, I had a, a, 19, uh, a 1984 BMW 3 Series, and um, I, I didn't buy White Walls, but I bought the, that was the era of the white raised lettering. Yeah, oh yeah. And you could, You're showing you know, your age now, Mark. Yeah, I love, love the white, I still I don't even know if they make them anymore, but I no. still would. I mean, they'd probably make them for like muscle cars and stuff. But this is true. I would. I'd put that on my car now yeah, they for, if they made. <laughs> You'd be the first guy with an Audi Q7 with white letter tires at the stoplight. I like Mark. it. I like being the first. <laughs> uh, be a fashionista. <laughs> so, um, off of uh, off of winter tires for a minute, let's talk about a couple of the different types of tires out there because what I'm also seeing now in our industry with, um, well. Not not Audi. Audi is uh, is holding true to how they've always been. BMW and Mercedes. BMW has been doing it for quite a while, and that is run flats. Yes, Mark. 
and there are other brands I'm sure that that do run flats and this is in this is to get rid of the spare tire this is to get rid of the spare tire so they can make the car smaller but still give you cargo space as well as lighten up the car so that they can boast a better fuel efficiency uh you know EPA rating so um they're called run flat they're called run flats there's actually different names for it so run flat actually mark uh, not to get too technical is actually Bridgestone Firestone's claim to the uh run flat name Goodyear calls it an emergency mobility tire so there's different names depending on the brand but uh, Michelin at one point tried something called PAX tires, which were a tire within a tire, so that if your outside tire got punctured, there was an inner tire to hold you up. Well, the yeah. whole industry resisted the PAX tire thing because it took special tire mounting equipment, and all other manufacturers have now followed Bridgestone's lead, and they call them run flats. And um, the market has actually grown a little bit, but because of the expense of run flats, uh, Bridgestone's now come out with a tire called a drive guard, which is their newest generation run flat which is no longer a run flat tire it can be run flat but it's called drive guard and that's their newest push for safety tires and the idea is is that somebody who's in a city that might not have a good area to go out and change their tire can now drive to a safe place and change their tires so a lot of it revolves around uh, the efficiency of the car the uh, ability to change it when you see fit in a safer area as well as cargo space that you touched on in the uh, uh, trunk and or if it's a van in the well it's hold. it's definitely I think with most people it's kind of a it's a love or hate thing yes. with run flats and I personally am not a not a big fan but before we get back to it I would go as far as saying that the run flat tire the original idea of a run flat if we didn't have that we wouldn't have water parks Geez, Mark, you'll have to tell me. I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, get... I'm stumping for this I one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just. This is just in my head. I, this, there's no research behind this. I'm just thinking because well, they're floating down the water in tubes. Yeah. Ah, well, they had to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> I mean, inner tubes floating down the river. Uh, you know, in the backwoods. So your thought is they had a bunch of tubes left over. What do we need to do with these? We'll create a water well, park. I mean, it had to come from somewhere. Hey, let's. There might be slides. more to it than that, though, Mark. <laughs> Or it could it would be which came first, the chicken or the wow. egg, the water yeah. park or the well, inner You guys tube. are really getting a glimpse into Mark's head, aren't you? <laughs> what so, goes on in that? She's. Thing, I right? think I gotta go now. <laughs> so all right. So so the really the first right run flat tire was an uh, a tire with an inner tube in it, I guess, right? That's probably correct. I actually do not know the history of it, but I think but was, that a lot of it revolved around European sports cars that okay. had no spot for a spare tire. And they needed the ability to get from point A to point B, so they started creating hard sidewall tires, which turned into self-sidewall-supporting tires, which is the initial claim to run flat tires. So selling enough tires and talking to John enough times, I think I can bullet point for you guys the pluses and minuses of run flat tires. Go for it. All right, here's the pluses. The pluses are you've got a tire that if – you have a flat or or a blowout or what you know whatever you want to call it you can potentially and i'll use the word potentially drive to a safer area to get it replaced that's correct right without ruining your wheel yep okay that's your plus now your negatives <laughs> the way i see it so there's one plus and many negatives <laughs> well i mean and that could be a pretty big plus but the negatives are when I get into a car with run flats and it's cold out, 
it takes a while for them to warm up. I mean, they got really thick sidewalls, so they do, and they ride a little harsh, and especially the earlier generations. Yep, they ride harsh. You're extremely limited in the type of tires you can put on your car because there's only a few brands that make run flats. That's correct, and the expense is quite uh, high on them, and the availability is actually less than other tires in the same size that would be not run flat. Yeah, so that, those are those are the negatives. So you don't have a lot of choices. They're expensive, and they aren't the most comfortable riding tires when you're on them but i mean if you get a if you get a flat and you're on the thruway and it can get you off to the next exit and to the gas station or to wherever you can be safe and not be on the side of the road i mean jay was telling us a couple weeks ago about an accident he was in uh where he was on the side of the road helping somebody it was in the winter wasn't oh, it? oh yeah yeah and he told it totaled his car so wow so the one, yeah, the we're one not helping plus, anybody yeah, anymore. Well, the one, the one, yeah, right. The one plus is a big plus, but there are some negatives right. to it. And you know, one of the ways you can, if you do have a vehicle with run flats, one of the things you can consider doing uh, is, and Aaron, you own a BMW. I do now. And you own a BMW with run flats on, so this is probably pretty good this for is, you to yeah, know. Yeah, this is really good to know right now. I should be um, taking notes, too. <laughs> uh, but what some people are doing is they will switch out the run flats. You can put regular tires on it. You don't have to put run flats on it. But then you don't – what some people are doing is they're getting a little donut uh, spare, and they're sticking it in the trunk if they're going to go on a trip or something. That's I right. mean, you know, look, in reality, a, a lot of people have AAA or they have some – sort of service that if something happens they make a phone call now and they wait for the tow truck or the flat yeah, you know I, I gotta be honest as the non-car guy i just keep thinking we haven't been able to figure out a way to create tires that don't need air or nitrogen or you know, right solid like so you know you have to deal with you know you drive over something just you keep driving doesn't even... we we were one of the first we were one of the first uh dealers in this area that had a nitrogen tire machine we still have it we still use it uh, upon request. It's it's hard for me to say uh, how beneficial that is. The concept of nitrogen in a tire is it, it makes sense. I mean, it's definitely I something I bought into, and I think that there is some validity to it. But um, but it's hard to you know it's not something you'll ever get anybody probably to pay for. So it's a service we provide if someone wants it that we'll put nitrogen in their tire, and essentially from the best. I've researched and I'm trying to dig back in my mind all because it was a long time ago when we bought that machine. But basically, we've got this machine that takes the oxygen molecules out of the air and just provides the nitrogen molecules it, yep. into the tire. And the nitrogen molecules are bigger they than, last longer. than the oxygen, so mm -hmm. they don't uh, expand and contract the same way oxygen molecules are. It also, probably the biggest benefit of that machine is it takes the moisture out of the air going into and the And that tire. makes the tires less susceptible to ambient air temperature change so that those tires will hold their PSI over a longer period of time than their counterparts. <laughs> so I don't have could to get lose. that light. That light, does, that light clicking on. Like on. It came yeah. on yesterday. People need to remember the tires lose one pound of air for every 10 degrees of ambient temperature change. And no Dust one has to machine, tell me, no one has to tell me or tell me to remember because we get it probably five or six times a day this time of year that's correct people's tpms yep. tire pressure monitoring system light is going to come on and you only need to be down you know maybe three psi 
in one tire. And it really uh, is kind of a pain because you're trying to figure out, at least in my car, Do I have a it doesn't tell me which one it is. Is it oh, really yeah. a flat? Yeah. Which one is it? Because I'm looking and I'm going... Uh, a, a lot, lot of cars, vehicles, right. a lot of vehicles have it where my truck shows each corner, but some vehicles just show a tire. So yeah, just, it does at least you know to get out and look, but you don't know where to start. You know. So they don't they don't make a uh, a winter tire that's a run flat, do they? They do. Yeah. They do. Uh, there's a couple brands that do. They're very expensive and they're very hard to come by because they don't make a lot of production in those tires because there's not a lot of demand for them. A lot of the cars that would take them. Are people with the means to possibly park the car and drive their SUV during the winter? So some of those cars don't see winter action. Okay, so we're going to stop right there because uh, we're running out of time on this podcast. But we're going to break this up into two parts. So this is episode four, part one of talking about tires with John Callahan. And uh, we're going to use uh, episode five as part two, uh, continuing discussion about um, tires snow tires winter tires um and that sort of thing um so ladies and gentlemen uh listeners of this podcast we ask you please to share this podcast with everyone you know uh proudly display it on facebook and tell people that it is uh really a great thing to listen to and hopefully you won't be lying hopefully you are enjoying this podcast and uh, we certainly appreciate your feedback um visit us at universalimports.com for any of your import car needs uh, sales, service, um, collision center. We have it all. We do it all. We love cars. We love people. We love to help you. Um, check us out uh, at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much wherever podcasts are found for the Grease and Glamour podcast. And you can also visit greaseandglamourpodcast.com uh, for information on each episode as well as uh, any comments you might want to leave. And feel free to uh, email us at mark at universalimports.com or ekane at universalimports.com or you can email our producer jay at greaseandglamourpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, we look forward to seeing you as we continue this podcast in our part two series, episode five, in just a few days. Thanks. Thanks.